All right, let's get down to it. I want to welcome you to the Best and the Rest podcast. This idea just kind of came to me recently. Basically, about me, the name's Preston. I'm just an average guy who hates his job. I despise it every single day, trying to make a way out. And I've always thought that starting a podcast would be a lot of fun. Not only would it be a lot of fun, but hopefully, hopefully, I'd be good at it. So we'll see what happens. I'm going to give the average person's perspective on pieces of media that people label the best, and I'll kind of see for myself. I'm not very artsy. I don't read a lot in the subtext or the hidden meaning of a piece. It's just more of a, did I enjoy it? Yes, no. Here's why. So if it's great, and I think it deserves to be in that group, I'll say, all right, it's the best. That's it. And when I'm saying the best, I don't mean it's the number one of all time and there's no beating it, but it's more of a group that is, you could make an argument for it being the best. If I think it doesn't fall into that category, I'll say it belongs into the rest. This week's show is about Avatar The Last Airbender. Recently got put on Netflix, gave me the idea for the podcast. I know that going into watching it, I was really looking forward to it. I haven't seen that show in probably 10 or 12 years I remember watching the season finale with my buddies when it first came out it has been such a long time since I've even really touched this franchise and I know that going into it I was really worried about my rose-colored glasses getting taken off because I do remember a lot of times when I was a kid where you know you're playing with your friends, you're pretending to be firebenders or earthbenders and, or just bending in general. And there were stories and subplots that you knew about, but you might not have appreciated as much is something that I came to realize eventually. You know, uh, Zuko, for example, has a very, very deep story, but there are instances where upon watching it again, you go, oh, Okay, okay, there it is. There's one. You know, it it really kind of takes you back. I didn't remember a lot of the small pieces is really what I'm saying. I remember the big moments, but going into this, it was more of just, let's see it's as good as I remember. I will say here that if you want me to review your show, movie, game, whatever, send the request to me by sending it to the best and the rest podcast at gmail.com. The best and the rest podcast at gmail.com. I know it'd be very impressive if I had my own domain name, but eh, you know, what are you going to do? Maybe someday, if this really just starts to do well, that's the way we'll go. But quick summary of what's on the docket. The process I'm going to be using is that it's going to be general thoughts first, then afterwards, just do some positives and negatives. As a reminder, just because I give a criticism to a show that you like, doesn't mean anything significant, nor should it. It's just a differing opinion. So just because I may not like a certain character or a certain episode, you know, just kind of go, eh, that is his opinion. You know, it, granted, it is the internet. There's a, definitely going to be people that say, oh my God, how could you? But that's not really important. Jumping into the review of the show, really not a lot to worry about. I love, love, loved it. Fact, I would say that 
even though I had this expectation in my mind for how good it was when I was a kid, it actually turned out to be better than I remembered. I think it's better as an adult than I did as a kid because there are instances where you relate more to these characters, even though they are teenagers, and I was a teenager back when I watched it, there were events in my life, or there are things that I can appreciate more about how the show tackled certain major issues that I really wouldn't have expected from a kid's TV show. As a kid, you don't really think about that. You haven't seen a ton of different pieces of media that really make you go, oh, okay, this show is going to take this more seriously. This show is going to be a bit more light. You eventually do see those things when you do watch the show. There are a few just small instances from what I've seen where they do have to kind of dip into, hey, remember, this is a kid's show. But on the large, large majority, this is a really, really fantastic piece. I mean, it's the premise of the show, I think, is just the coolest. I mean, it is incorporating things that you want to be able to do in such a fantastic way. Not only do you want to be a martial arts master and do karate or uh, I know that each of the bending elements were based off of real life martial arts and there were even instances in the show where characters were able to incorporate different martial arts into their style which helped them to progress, like Iroh learning how to deflect lightning by watching waterbenders. It's these small pieces and details that you're like, this is so smart. Like, this is so well done. I mean, I remember, like I said, just jumping on the trampoline and pretending I could shoot fire out of my hands like every other kid. I remember playing around with my friends. I mean, who who didn't want to master an element, right? I think that's like the biggest draw of this show is that you immediately, and I mean immediately, wish you were in that world. I think that's really what's important for any kind of piece of media where if I didn't want to be in the Star Wars universe, I wouldn't watch the Star Wars universe. Is it interesting at its at its premise? I think that's... And it's funny because you think, ah, just as a kid, I'll be the one pretending to, you know, shoot fire out of my hands, yada, yada. But I will admit that while I was in between seasons or I just finished a really long binge, I would go, it would be like super helpful to have water bending right now or to be a water bender right now. That would be still the coolest. Like you're driving down the road and you'd see, wonder what I could do if I could just jump out of here and shoot fire out of my hands. You know, it's, it's just a... Uh, a very weird but fun premise. You know, you can tell the difference with Aang being more defensive in his nature and evasive in his nature and, and the way that that martial art works in this world compared to a firebender. You know, they make that extremely obvious in a lot of ways where, you know, they're able to incorporate pieces about this character depending on what style of bending they use or more specifically, what kind of martial art they use, right? And so there are just so many things that you want to jump to. I will start off here with the positives. The I think the, when, the first thing that you think of when you get past the premise is that these characters are just so rich and deep. It is so cool. You care about every single one of these characters, and I think there are a plethora of shows 
that don't even do half as good of a job as these guys did on Avatar, right? You get a small taste in season one, and obviously there are issues where, yeah, it's the first season of a show. You can't, nor should you expect it to be as good as season three or something like that or a later season. But you get a small taste of it in season one still, inevitably. There are, I have a list of episodes that I'm going to go over later, and a you know a chunk of them are from the first season and it's just really really great to be able to take a look at it you're like I can't believe it like still while people think that the first well people generally think that the first season is the weakest and I would agree with that but just because it's weaker than the others really shows more about the seasons two and seasons three or season two and season three then it is more of a negative about season one, if that makes sense. Season one's really good, but that just shows you how good season two and season three are, right? I think listing my the, the stories that really impacted me the most, Zuko's story, I mean, that's a lesson in character writing, right? If anybody out there is ever making a TV show, if you can make a Zuko, you are killing it. That is about as good as you can do. This is a man who, you know, I whenever I watch a TV show or something like that, you know, it can get boring if somebody's just evil, 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 and that's all they are. Or if they even go evil, 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 good, good, good. I think it's much more interesting, like in Zuko's case, when it is actually a bit more of a roller coaster, because that's how I think a lot of people act in real life, you and me. There are instances where you might be more brave or maybe you're more outgoing in certain situations and then in other situations you kind of go down and you you know you don't feel it today or you hit a slump in your life or whatever it is zuko obviously had that at a much bigger and a more in a more grandiose scale but the thing that makes him so good is that yeah the first you know couple episodes you're like okay he's bad guy whatever but as a story progresses and grows, you just are so impressed that they were able to fit this into a kid's show, right? And I actually almost feel like calling it just a kid's show is doing it a disservice in some sense, right? I mean, because this show, while maybe that was its target demographic, didn't end up, definitely didn't end up being that way. I mean, Zuko was just awesome top to bottom. His story, his progression, the way that he approach situations and his backstory you know in, in those first couple episodes when especially like in the episode the storm when they first go into Zuko's backstory it shows you the level of maturity that the writers are willing to treat the audience with right there are there's so many other shows where you could go all right the writers clearly aren't interested in delving any deeper on this because it's a kid show you know you could kind of tell in other shows maybe that they don't give a shit maybe that's a little mean or maybe a little bit uh presumptive of the situation but there is a level of okay these guys here they aren't just dicking around and getting through the first season and seeing if the second hits right they they are going to make it a compelling driving narrative in that first season and it's just really, really well done, right? Second favorite character, Iroh. Iroh, I want an Iroh in my life so badly. I think if everybody had an Iroh in their life, the world would be a much better place. 
I've almost started drinking tea because of it. I want nothing more in my life than to drink tea with Iroh sometime. It would just be the single coolest situation of all time, right? I mean, it's just it's just so well done where you you root for all of these characters in such a great way. Uh, Toph would probably be like number three for me. I think that's fair. I think her or Aang, uh, you know, I think Aang has more character development than Toph. But Toph is also just such a unique and cool premise. And she is able to grow in her own way that I think kind of makes her stand out from the rest. Like Zuko and Iroh just, if there is grading scales, they are A++. Toph, you know, she she's an A. It, it's, she is by every sense a perfect score. But Zuko and Iroh just got extra credit, right? I think the biggest highlight episodes, I mentioned one earlier with the storm, but, and I will say that if an episode isn't listed here or in the negative column, there are a few in the negative column, uh, just as a forewarning. It's, uh, you know, if you don't hear a certain episode listed, I think it was fine. I think it was good. Uh, it just didn't seem worth mentioning. But favorite episodes in chronological order. First, Southern Air Temple. First sense where you're like, okay, these guys are serious. These guys who are writing this are, you know, they they are absolutely going to treat the audience with respect, right? There is a, yes, guess what? This isn't a kid's show. We're dealing about a genocide. That's one of the most important things that ever happened in this universe. So isn't starting the war because of the Air Nation genocide, right? The, there are a few shows that are willing to, really jump in that boundary and really jump into that world as nicely and as neatly and as impactfully as the writers of Avatar are. The next one, mentioned it earlier, The Storm. The Storm is, you know, it, it it's the first episode that draws the parallels between Aang and Zuko, and it's just really, really, really well done. I, it is, there's not a lot else to say. I mean, it's one of those first episodes where if you were ever writing a story I imagine uh, granted I have not written but I have not done it nor am I a published author by any means or sense uh, but that if I ever wanted to draw parallels between characters it would basically just be a rip off of the storm I mean it's so well done that you're almost like how how can you not do it this way like that's the class that's the template right the storm is just one of the best and, you know, it, it answers questions. Okay, I wanted to know about Aang's backstory. I wanted to know about Zuko's backstory. As soon as you saw Zuko, you wanted to know how he got his scar. But this was the, the first, you know, real step into it. The Blue Spirit, I think, was another really fantastic episode from that first season that I want to highlight. Zhao's kind of a, I mean, not kind of, he is a dickhead. Like, he is just such a bad dude and such a prick but and so you really do hate him he his character if his goal as a character is to get you pissed off at him he did a great job right you never feel sympathy for Xiao but this is an instance of okay you know you you sit there and go okay things aren't as unified in the fire nation as you'd seem there is a very specific line where people are disagreeing with each other you know and Grandy, you could have seen that earlier with um, Zuko and Zhao's Agni Kai that they had at the beginning. Okay, this isn't just two guys disagreeing. This is Zuko breaking into a prison himself and rescuing the Avatar 
purely to, you know, spite Zhao or to keep his own chance of honor alive, right? And granted, it didn't work out that way. I think that if Zuko wasn't knocked out, you know, he would have taken him right to the Fire Nation. I don't think that's a crazy idea at all whatsoever. Everyone was playing for the same team, but teams in quotes. You know what I mean? That's that's what I really think is great. The Siege of the North is the next one I'd want to highlight. That's a fantastic episode. So good. Bringing to the, the climax between Zuko and Zhao and just Zhao's character arc and, you know, overall. I mean... You start to see characters like Iroh pop out where he is, you can tell his main goal is not the Fire Nation. You know, he is someone who cares about the balance of the world. You know, when he says to Zhao, he's, whatever you do to that fish, I will do to you tenfold. And granted, my Iroh's not good, won't try to claim it is, but but that aspect of just the, I'll do that to you tenfold. It, it's so cool. It's such a good line where he is just, look, or, you know, uh, he's looking at people going, okay, you're water nation, you're air, whatever. And even that guy's fire, fuck it. We all got to be together right now. You know, there is a higher mission here. And even though he tries to reason with Zhao, obviously Zhao's power hogger. And he says, you know, forget about it. And he's out. I think the first moment where I really, really respected the writers in in this series, where I really, I think the moment that hit me probably the deepest was, and I don't even mean the deepest on like a character level, but I think the deepest on a, okay, okay, yeah, that that's exactly how I'd expect that character to act in that situation, and I'm glad they played it out that way. It's when Zhao is getting taken away by the remains of the spirit or whatever it was where Aang was, he used to be in the giant fish thing, the giant fish avatar state form, whatever you want to call it. You know, and Zhao's getting taken away into the river and, you know, Zuko still reaches out his hand saying like, you know, let me help you. And Zhao just pulls his hand back. I respect the hell out of that. That is such a small but crucial uh, character moment that you gotta respect it. There is such a fantastic uh oh i should have mentioned at the beginning that there were spoilers hey everyone there's spoilers just in case (laughs) um (laughs) but yeah that's that's fantastic that's that's a really really fantastic moment where you're like okay these guys i i like to read or watch game of thrones or like to watch game of thrones before it got kind of shitty and then i read the game of thrones books and or also known as the song of ice and fire for those of you out there but you know when george R. R. martin's talking about when he writes characters he's like i don't really have a plan in mind these characters kind of act on their own and i just write it down for them and i really think that's what they started to find with zhao towards the end of his character arc where maybe it was mapped out but just those small little moments you know when they first wrote zhao's character arc i don't think they wrote down, you know, Zhao refuses Zuko's hand in helping to save him, right? I, I think that that was something that probably came when they were storyboarding or whatever during the writing process. And they're like, you know, that's exactly what Zhao would do. And I think that's really, really respectful. Uh, the next episode, uh, jumping to season two now, The Blind Bandit, introduction to Toph. What a badass. What a fantastic concept as well to use earthbending to see. You know, kind of like an echolocation-ish kind of thing. 
I mean, it's, it's so cool. It's so cool. How can he not like it? The, it? It plays on your preconceived notions in such a fantastic way about what you imagine the biggest, strongest earthbender in the world to be, considering we've run into, you know, fucking 50 earthbenders leading up to this point. And the fact that it's a little girl is uh, a little blind girl, to say, to, to really put a cherry on top of it. That's just the best. That is so good. That is so, so, so good. Right? The next episode, which might be my favorite episode, Zuko Alone. Zuko Alone is... If Zuko was a pawn before, this turned him into an ocean when it when it came to his, his depth and, you know, how much he's gone through and why he acts the way he does. It is just... I mean, he, he's really trying to change away for himself. I mean, yeah, he kind of looks like a schmuck a couple times, like when he's trying to nail nails into the roof. And, uh, you know, he's just trying to protect the kid and whatever. Um, you know, teach him how to use swords, give him the knife, yada, yada, yada. But, you know, he obviously sees a lot of almost Fire Nation qualities in the bully earthbenders, right? And it's just such a fantastic way to go about it towards the very end when he realizes he can't win with just his swords and he has to you know think back to his mom you know saying you know Zuko never forget who you are all that stuff and he just fucking explodes with fire and it's so cool I mean it's so cool it is just knock it out of the park that is the grand slam of good that's back-to-back grand slams in like one episode just talking about his present and his past and how those two align. It's just fantastic, and it couldn't could not have been done better. Tales of Bossing Say, next one I want to highlight. That is a oh, what a tearjerker! What a legitimate tearjerker! I think the first time I cried was in the Siege of the North when when Iroh talks to Zuko and specifically says. No, I've always seen you as my own son. Be safe. You, you, oh, uh, put your hood up. You'll catch a cold. Don't forget your breath of fire. Like all that stuff. It's just such a loving moment. And then later in Tales of Bossing Say, you, you know, you see why. But Tales of Bossing Say, if you don't get choked up during Leaves from the Vine, what are you doing? What are you doing with your life? How do you live that way? I wish I could live with as few emotions as you probably have. It is not to paint you into a corner dear listener if anybody does listen to this let's hope cross those old fingers am i right tales of bossing say so good i mean there's some parts where you're like eh like ang story like the zoo animals you're like eh, okay who gives a shit whatever yada 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 you move on sakas is kind of funny toff and katara's i think is something that is 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 a really humanizing moment for toff she's not always this you know this badass she does have you know her moments where she you know, she wants to be pretty too. Everybody wants to be pretty, right? And you getting told that you're pretty is, I mean, as a man, as a man, which obviously doesn't relate to Toph or Katara in any way, but as a man, and if any other men are listening to this, they'll know. If you are ever called handsome or pretty by someone who's not related to you, you keep that shit stored in your mind. You know, I th- can think of very specific moments where, you know, girls I was interested in or something like that or you know even a guy if a guy says like it's like dude what are you talking about you're good looking like that kind of thing you know exactly what those moments are in your life and you probably think about them constantly I know I do right Toph is kind of the same way where 
you know, she says she's never had to care about her looks, but you can still tell that it hurt. And you can still tell that she wanted that validation. And the perfect little cherry on top. I should stop using the perfect cherry on top because I've used that twice now. Whatever. But cherry on top, Katara just saying, you know, and for what it's worth, you are pretty. I, I mean, it's 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 a lesson. Everybody wants to hear it, even if looks aren't important to people. And they shouldn't be in a lot of cases. That's a moment where you go, you know, just thank you. Thank you. And it means so much, right? Appa's Lost Days. I put this one here because if you weren't an animal lover coming out of that episode, I don't know what's wrong with you. That is an episode where, as you see, Appa's state just slowly deteriorate, uh, you know, from his looks and his mannerisms, etc. Uh, when the Kyoshi Warriors had to kind of wash him up and rescue him. I mean, that's a knockout. That is such a fantastic way to give character to a character that can't talk, right? To an animal. If you want to talk about animals having characters like Momo, I don't I don't really care about Momo, right? Momo never really had a moment in that. You know, he had one or two moments where you're like, oh, Momo. But Appa, you're like, I've wanted nothing more in my life than for Appa and Aang to get back together immediately. And you start crying and everybody in your room is just wondering what's wrong with you. And you have to tell them, hey, sorry, I had to record a podcast later. And it's just, ah. But it's worth it. <laughs> uh, Crossroads of Destiny season finale of season two. Another knockout. Really great. I'm going to stop saying knockout. I've maybe, maybe that's my crutch word that I'm going to learn about while I'm going through and editing this and then posting this. And then people online are going to go, are going to say, hey, you schmuck. You know, you keep saying knockout a lot. What's wrong with you? Probably not wrong. Crossroads of Destiny. What a banger. How about that? What a banger. I mean, that is character growth for Aang. There are so many ways that bending is used that, you know, you're you're really just invested and you just sit there and you go like, this is what I imagine a fight to be. And then obviously Zuko's line of, you know, kind of going back down that level of character growth, his roller coaster of a, of a character arc is, is uh, really where it comes forward, right? Next one I have is Sokka's master. He desperately needed something. He desperately needed a master. Uh, he desperately needed to become really, really good at something versus throwing a boomerang or having plans, right? Because I, you're, there is a moment where, you know, Sokka's kind of our stand-in as people watching the show, and he just needed that in a very big way to actually kind of come out of his own shell. Uh, the beach awesome really good episode i liked that one uh when they're all on surprise the beach and they talk about their past they get those great moments and it, and you know it follows the fire nation crew around azula zuko tylee and may really fantastic you cringe a lot whenever Azula's trying to flirt and that's how you'd imagine a psychopath flirting that's exactly how you'd imagine it you're like they don't know what's happening here nor could they <laughs> um avatar and the fire lord that's awesome you know roku's been that nice mentor figure you get a little background on him that one's good ember island players is fucking hilarious that is a legitimately hilarious moment where i i mean the entire episode i mean granted they shit on the great divide and that's a little bit too meta for me because it's you know it, it, it's like the author is not standing behind their own work in some sense 
Like there's, I kind of go into the great divide a little bit later, but there's some sense where I'd be like, if I was the writer of the great divide and then in the Ember Island players, maybe I'm helping, maybe even write the episode. And everyone goes, yeah, let's shit on the great divide episode real quick. Cause fans don't like it. I'd go, uh, can we not like, I know it wasn't the best, but does it warrant that? I think, you know, whatever you can take your ways with it. But I do think that on the, on the whole and whole, the, the episode's pretty funny. Uh, and then obviously, finally, the Sozin's Comet, that one, ooh, ooh, before Sozin's Comet, uh, shoot, I don't remember if it's before Ember Island players or not, Puppet Master, Bloodbending, seems super broken, I have no fucking idea how that plays out, it's been a really long time since I watched Corrin, I think I only watched the first two or three seasons, how, how do you, how do you stop that, it seemed like, it, it almost seemed like a Super Saiyan kind of thing that you put in, to the story and granted they're like oh you can only use it during a full moon but like what you're telling me the you're telling me the lord uh the fire lord's never been under a full moon like you know is there not a group of people that could you know kind of invest themselves in that way like you know i doubt that haga hapa hanga whatever the hell her name was hanma whatever uh she can't be the creator i i just i just don't believe that in some sense where she's not the only person who ever came across it right uh but that was really really dark and you were talking about treating your audience with maturity that's how about taking over people's bodies while they're still alive and force them to kill each other that's that's respect and that is you know uh really taking your audience very very seriously and then obviously sozin's comment at the end you know a lot of really good moments in there i think it's great uh, wonderful cap off of the story. One thing you definitely have to talk about is how good of a fight is the final Agni Kai between Zuko and Azula. I actually think that's the best fight in the entire series. I think it beats Ozai and Aang's fight just because there's so much more that has been built up with Azula and Zuko's Agni Kai fight and the emotions that are there with how Zuko has evolved, how Azula has kind of crumbled with all of her mental issues, Zuko having and really showing off the greatest character development of all when he's able to jump and sacrifice himself in front of Azula's lightning to save Katara. Amazing. I mean, it's really, really great in so, so many ways. And I mean, I, I truly think that that's the best part. I think that's the best fight by a long shot. I think it is just a, a really fantastic way to to put a very neat bow on top of everything, right? You know, other other major points of the show that I think are, you know, worth highlighting are humor aspects, even if some of them are kind of kiddish, even though you will kind of get sick of, oh my God, Toss blind, ha, ah, Toss blind again. Do you guys get it? Do you realize she was blind? Everyone keeps talking to her like she's not blind. I don't know if you've ever been around a blind person, but you'll go, Nope, they're blind. Don't say anything like that. I'm hypersensitive, and I'd imagine these guys are too, but whatever. But on the whole and whole, humor, the show is hilarious. I legitimately will laugh thinking about certain moments. Uh, like Zuko after, I forget her name, the, the lady who had the little smelling dog thing, uh, anteater-looking motherfucker. Uh, the thing that can smell and was hunting down the Avatar and stuff. And, you know, they hired her and Iroh clearly has like an old man crush on the, the rider with the little skull tattoo 
uh, the goth emo chick. And <laughs> and uh, when they finally all get hit at the final fight, and Zuko's like, oh, uncle, I didn't see you get hit by the tongue. And he's just like, shh. I mean, that is hilarious. Whoever wrote that, I hope they got a raise after that. That was fucking hilarious. You got to give respect to the humor of the show. Uh, I said this before, but you got to treat the audience with maturity. And I'm so happy that they did in a lot of ways. Uh, it wasn't perfect as we're about to see. Cool your jets before you type or before you say anything about me and, uh, you know, curse my family and everything and, and my opinions, whatever. Just eh, dude, pump those brakes just a tiny little bit. But, you know, it treats the audience with such a maturity that you don't expect from a kid's show. Uh, and again, I know I said earlier it's almost disrespectful to call it a kid's show. But in the all-in-all technical sense, it is, right? But they didn't really let those those shackles hold them down in a major way throughout the show, which I think is really commendable. Uh, it also kind of brings up some interesting things, too, like things you didn't actually get answers to. But you're like, oh, why do the avatars act differently, even though they're literally the same person? You know, it's a little bit of nature versus nurture, and they don't really touch on this at all, uh, or at least in my opinion. A little Maybe it's a little bit of the element that they're raised with, you know, air nomads, very peaceful. Like if Aang was an earthbender or a waterbender, you know, would he have been okay killing Ozai? Probably. But, you know... He didn't want to kill people. And you're into that past avatar, the airbender Yasing or whatever her name was, the female airbender that was before Aang. I, I don't know. Did they just, did they not teach the air nomad principles of non-killing? Did they just start teaching that after she left or, or what was the story? You know what I mean? So, but, but, you know, in some sense, you're like, okay, you, you can kind of hypothesize on a couple things. You're like, yeah, they, I mean, it makes sense in the world that was given to us. There's, there wasn't really a part where I'm sitting there going, oh, that made no sense. And that came out of left field, you know, it, when it comes to like the characters and the way that they act, it's, it's very much of a, okay, I can get it from what they've told me about that character. That seems believable. You know what I mean? All right, let's, let's get down to the negatives. Uh, few issues with the show, few issues, small issues. Uh, I will clarify that I very, very much love this show. And if I didn't say it already, uh, you probably very clearly guessed it. This goes into the best. This is the best category. It's in there without a doubt, without a second opinion or without any kind of shyness and putting it in there. It is the best. It is, it is really, really good. You, you'll love it if you watch it, if you've never watched it before, right? I think that the show actually, well, I think that the show is, is mostly fantastic. I think that the issues with the show actually kind of stick out a little bit more than they would in a lesser show because it's such a tone shift or a quality shift, right? Uh, you might think of these as nitpicks, but I think that because the show is so good in its core, the bad moments actually stand out a little bit more than they would if you were watching some, uh, some, some lesser program. Where in a lesser program, everything, let's say everything is an average of a seven, and then you dip down to a six, you're not going to really notice that. But if you're at an episode like Zuko Alone, which is like a nine and a half, and then you dip down to a six later with a different episode, you're like, oh, Jesus Christ, what the fuck happened there? Did nobody check that one, right? And I will say that that happened a few times in the show. While I don't have, while the no, rose-colored glasses weren't knocked off, you know, they did become a little less foggy on some of the major issues, on, on some of the issues of the show. I won't even say major issues because that sounds a bit egregious. There's actually only one episode in the whole show that I actually think is bad, like legitimately bad. 
And if you're familiar with Avatar, it's not the one you're thinking of. It's not the Great Divide, but there are things that stick out. Another thing that I think was kind of lacking in the show is that until about like the third season, every firebender that you meet except for Zuko and Iroh is the mustache twirling villain who's just evil because evil is fun and it's their right and because they're the strongest. And it kind of gets boring after a while. It's a little stale, right? I mean, if every single Fire Nation villain is just a villain to be a villain, you know what I mean? Well, Azula obviously puts a breath of fresh air in it. You know, any kind of lower rung person, you're like, okay, they're okay, they're bad because they're fire. Okay, that's it, right? And you didn't really get a humanizing moment for anybody in the Fire Nation, uh, who, or at least people who are still loyal to the Fire Nation at that point until like the third season. Like yeah, this was like the headband. While I didn't mention it specifically earlier, that's the first one. You're like, okay, these are just kids, and there it's, it's clear that. From their nurturing, they learn to hate everyone else or whatever the situation is. By the time you get out of the fire academy or whatever, you're totally pro-team fire nation and you're anti-everyone else. You know, and I think this actually also kind of really is highlighted in Fire Lord Ozai. He's a man who abuses his family physically, mentally, emotionally, and he's going at it for power, but there's no real depth. You know, there there isn't anything that... There, there wasn't ever a Zuko moment with him where I go, ah, because of his past, that's the way he acts now. You know, he and Azula are just kind of psychopaths. And while that might be interesting to some, like like Azula specifically, because she had so much depth, I think it was interesting for her. But even though you try to paint that same brush onto Ozai, it doesn't really match. Granted, love me Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill did fantastic voice-wise. A little bit lacking in the writing for me for, for Fire Lord. There were like just one or two moments the whole time where I'm like, oh, that's a little little convenient there, huh? And the major one's like the lion turtle. I, I liked that the lion turtle was mentioned in season two during the library. Like Aang holds up a picture of a lion turtle. And you're like, oh my God, that's cool. Like on the rewatch, because I remembered the lion turtle by first time watching it. Or, you know, but I very much didn't remember in season two. I kind of attached to the lion turtle at the hip is that energy bending stuff that Aang learns later and he kind of learns it without having to train or it, it kind of seems out of nowhere. I, this whole conflict and almost this entire third season is the conflict that Aang has about killing versus not killing. But the show kind of, I, I feel like they kind of backpedaled a little bit and kind of went, uh, okay, he doesn't have to kill him anymore. You can just take away his bending. And you're like, okay, I guess, like, I, I can imagine why it makes sense that the Avatar can do this, or it makes sense that an energy bender can do this, if, you know, granted, if the Avatar is the only person who can learn how to do that, I don't know. But it, it kind of seemed like they went, oh, shit, we don't really have a good way to, like, write him out of this. He can't just fall to his death or anything like that, because the Sozin's Comet power literally gives him, you know, he, he's fucking Boba Fett up in here with his rocket pack. Uh, or like an Iron Man almost. And so, I don't know. Like, you know, just trying to spit out ideas of like, oh, how could he die without Aang's help? And I feel like they just went, well, we can't do that. We can't show him dying. Let's just incapacitate him. But then we also have to have a reason why he couldn't just firebend out of prison like Iroh or something like that. I don't know. It just seemed, you know, a little bit of a cop-out for me. And then I think I think the biggest thing for me in the whole show, though, is that there are some filler episodes and those stick out like sore thumbs. Like I said earlier, when you go from a nine to a six in the episode rating, you're like, what the fuck was that? Like, come on, guys. 
it's not a highlight. It's kind of a low light. I realize as a kid's show, there's going to be a few. You can't get every episode you want. But there are ones that just pad for time, and that's the worst that the series has to offer. Low light episodes, Great Divide. Everyone hates this episode, and I don't think it's... And while I don't think it's, like, explicitly bad, I think it's eh. It's not good. It's worth a mention in the bad part. I would never really rush to see it again. In fact, I know I wouldn't rush to see it again. People have issues with Aang lying to solve the conflict, but, I mean, I think there's some aspect where not only does that show where Aang is meant to go later on, where... Yeah, Aang of season three wouldn't have handled this the same way that Aang of season one did because he's just a kid. Because he's just, you know, trying to solve the conflict. And to the people who say, like, oh, well, like, the lying is wrong. It shouldn't have been done that way. I I think those people haven't been in a real conflict where you need to, like, lie just to end the situation. And I'm not saying lying's right. I don't say that at all. But what I am saying is that if people aren't going to be reasonable and it's just going to lead to more bloodshed in the future years and the Fire Nation is running after them or is chasing after them, there's some point where you're like, okay, look, fuck it. Just make them stop fighting. I feel like if every one of us were in the same situation and that was the way to get them out of it, I, I think everyone would do it. So I don't know. I, I But I, I think it's very important for Aang's growth because it shows how he's able to handle conflicts later. The only episode this entire series uh, that I think is legitimately bad actually comes from from what it looks like to me, the most loved season, episode, season three. And the episode is Nightmares and Daydreams. This episode is the only one in the entire series that I legitimately, you know, I had the thought in my head of this is an actually bad episode. This is an episode that is bad. Clarify that the bad part of the episode with team is with Team Avatar. You know, the Zuko section, you know, finding himself fitting himself into the new world of the Fire Nation or like, you know, he has to adjust his sights. You know, that's all good. That's all good. That's all exactly what I would expect. He's going to have trouble shifting back into that world. But this other shit just drags it down. And it's such and it's such in a massive way for me that it tilts this episode ever so slightly into being a bad episode on the whole. You know, one of the things that I really praise this show for is that it treats its audience with maturity while at time, you know, sprinkling in kids humor or kind of sidestepping some kids humor or whatever. But we're up at season three. And at that point, you know, you think that the final battle's coming up during the Day of Black Sun. If you had never watched the show before, you go Day of Black Sun. Ozai doesn't have his fire powers. This is it. This is the finale coming up. Right. Like, like you very well might think. Things might go wrong, but you do think that there is going to be a confrontation between Aang and the Fire Lord. And air is just sucked up by these stupid gags of Aang's nightmares. Uh, Oh, he forgot his pants. He uh, didn't study for his math test. The oversleeping. And you're like, what are you what are you doing? You, You don't you don't get the sense that it's being taken seriously or that it's actually getting ready to confront the, the the real threat ahead, right? I mean, it's just, I think the cherry on top, I know I'd said I'd stop saying it, but I think it's important here, because it's not really a cherry, but more of like a rotten cherry on top, is that Ozai in Aang's dream forgets his pants. I mean, like, you should be cringing a little bit when I'm talking about this. I know I am. I am legitimately cringing. Like, why, why would you do that? I just, again, you know... Kids show is obviously the first cop out, but I I feel like you can't have it both ways. You can't say this show is so good for a kid's show 
And then whenever it has a bad moment, you can't go, oh, it's just a good show. I don't know. That one, I think, is a legitimately bad episode. You can feel free to disagree with me or give me your thoughts. Maybe I missed something. I'm willing to grow and uh, look at the bad parts of the show and kind of look at them in a new light. If you do truly feel that way, let me know. But here specifically, that was a moment where I went, I just, like, you just kind of kind of became blank-eyed. You made your way through the episode. You go, okay, let's get on to the Day of Black Sun, uh, which was another great episode, um, but just not one of my my favorites. And besides, that list was getting super long, too. Any thoughts? little compliment sandwich here. Talk about the really good. Talk about the low points. Talk about the good again. I really, really can't stress enough. This is the best. It is, it is the best. It is in the best, without a doubt, in my mind. It's a show that I learned that as an old timer, a 20 something like me, you know, you get a little bit more cynical in your time or a little bit cynical as you get older, but it was, it was, it was a very nice, fresh breath of air where you just go, okay, that was slick. That was really, really good. I love the things they did. I've seen shows that are geared towards adults that aren't half as good as this show. They didn't let those chains of of what kind of show it was initially pitched as, as as a kid show on Nickelodeon you know they didn't let that hold them back from really treating the audience with respect and maturity and you know not being not afraid of hitting the major themes and points of the show and so it was just fantastically well done in, in every way shape and form obviously I had a few gripes but those are more nitpicks. Now for an ad read. I know you're sitting there going, isn't this the first episode of a show? Zero listens on the podcast so far. How is he able to ensure an ad read? And this is how this episode of the best and the rest podcast is brought to you by the cool side of the pillow. The cool side of the pillow. It is the only one that's here for you in these summer months. You know, you sit there, you're, you're, you're sweating in the night. You're trying to make your way just to get a little bit more shut-eye before the end of the night or before your alarm goes off. You flip that bad boy over and, oh boy, the cold side. That's where it's at. That's where it's at. It is, if you if you disrespect the cold side of the pillow, you can just get off the podcast now because it's basically over. But the cold side of the pillow is always the way to go. It conforms to your face perfectly. If you haven't tried it, you gotta try Cold Side of the Pillow. Use my promo code, the best and the rest, and you'll be able to get two degrees more coolness on your pillow the next time you flip it over. So that brings an end to the podcast. This is just very much of a little bit of a experimental situation here. We'll have to see where things go from here on out. Again, a reminder: please send requests. For next week's podcast to the best and the rest podcast at gmail.com. I'll, I'll clarify, it'll try to be next week. I gotta come up with another show. By the time this one comes out, there's a there's an application process with iTunes and everything like that. So hopefully things will be good. We'll see what happens. So thank you so much for watching. You all, my listeners, you're always the best. You're never in the rest. Thank you so much for deciding to tune in. Give me a chance get me out of my really, really, really shitty job that I hate uh, to the fiber of my being. Really hope this is something that could take off and I could uh, entertain people with, see what happens. But this is 
as for now, I think a good place to stop is any. Thank you once again. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Hopefully we can all have a fun conversation talking about our favorite shows, and I will see you guys soon. Thanks again.